0: Amen, well, good morning. Welcome to New Hope Chapel's Sunday Morning Praise and Worship Service. We welcome those of you, of course, who are online. And uh, I mentioned that the title and the theme of my sermon this morning is "Your Legacy: Our Legacy: My Legacy." I want you to turn in your Bibles to the two books, First Chronicles, chapter 28 and chapter 29. That's my text. But I see I think you'll see behind me the display that only certain selected verses are highlighted for you to turn to, they will be in the sequence of my presentation for my sermon. But it is chapter 28 and 29. Put your finger on chapter 29, First Chronicles. You know, as I usually do, I always look to God to anoint my words with his thoughts. And so I turn to Psalm 1914. So dear, dear Lord, this morning... Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen? Well, you know what happens at different times, in different ways, to different people. It's happened to many of us, but not to all of us. And it generally happens later on in life. And for me, it happened on September the 21st, 1982. My father had to undergo a four-bypass heart surgery, and he went into distress in the recovery room, and the doctors and the staff rushed to his bedside, and I, along with the family, waited outside that room, waited for a word. And in a while, the doctor came to us, and the first words out of his mouth were, Your dad is gone. And with those words, I joined the rank of those who have lost at least one loved one, one of two people that brought them into this world. But with that realization came the thought that finally really hit me like never before. I, too, am going to die. And we all know it. But there comes a moment when you really face up to it, where it grabs hold of you and it, it, you grab hold of it. You know, as the runway of life begins to run out and you realize your life is going to end, the question begins to pop up increasingly, what am I going to leave behind? Normally when you think of such matters, you think in terms of possessions, and that is what stuff you have, and how are you going to divide it with those that you wish to leave something to. And you think about inheritance. But this morning, I'm here to tell you, remind you that those are not the most important things we leave behind. We leave behind people. People that you knew, people that you love, people that you worked with, people that you, in some way, had business associations. And you're going to leave... Behind, also, the influence. So the most important thing to remember this morning is, it's not the possessions and the inheritance that you leave behind that count. Those will not last forever. Now, the things that will last a long time after you're gone are the people that you leave behind and the influence that you leave behind. This is what we call your legacy. You see, it's about people, not possessions. It's about influence, not inheritance. Now, you may not be a king like a man named David, but you can leave behind a legacy worthy of a king. This king named David is the one individual that has more scripture devoted to him than any other individual except Jesus. He's talked about in seven books of the Old Testament and mentioned in 75 Psalms. He's the first person named in the New Testament, except for Jesus, and the last person named in the New Testament, except for Jesus. More scriptures are devoted to King David than any other person mentioned in the Bible, except Jesus. He is the only one that is mentioned, however, as a man who is after God's heart. And so it stands to reason that it would behoove us to spend a lot of time learning life lessons from this great king. And today we're going to see that David teaches us not only how to live, but how to die, and how to leave the kind of legacy that we ought to leave when we die. In 1 Chronicles 28 and 29, we find both the record of the end of David's life and his last recorded words. You know, David has spent 40 years of his life serving the nation that he loved, Israel. Remember that young shepherd boy? The one who killed that giant Goliath? He's now an old man. And he's about to prepare for his last journey. And he too has planned out a legacy that he wants to leave. But is not the one that he hoped for. First Chronicles 28, 1 through 4 states, David summoned all the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem, the officers over the tribes, the commanders of the divisions in the service of the king, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons, together with palace officials, the warriors, and all the brave fighting men, King David rose to his feet and he said, Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. But God said to me, You are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and have shed blood. Yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me for my whole family to be king over Israel forever. He chose Judah as leader, and from the tribe of Judah, he chose my family, and from my father's sons, he was pleased to make me king over all Israel. If there was one legacy that David wanted to leave, if there was one dream he wanted to fulfill, it was to build the temple of God. But the one thing was true of David that is true of all of us. We will never see all of our dreams fulfilled. We will never see all of our goals achieved. We will never see all of our mountains climbed. But we can have and leave a legacy that others can fulfill their dreams and reach their goals with. I want us to learn this morning from David how to leave a legacy that will outlast us and outlive us long after we are gone. So first, in your outline, consider that our legacy is determined by where we lead others. You know, as David is building the legacy he is leaving, he begins with the building block that most of us start with, that is, our family, our children. Solomon is going to become the next king, and David wants to lead Solomon to be the leader that he needs to be, What he's about to say will be his final words during his last days on planet Earth. He has thoughtfully, carefully, and prayerfully prepared his advice, and he sums it up in one paragraph, and that is our text, 1 Chronicles 28, 9, which states, And you, my son Solomon... Acknowledge the God of your Father and serve Him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek Him, He will be found by you, but if you forsake Him, He will reject you forever. That shouldn't surprise you. That David is appealing to Solomon's heart. He was a man after God's own heart. And he wanted Solomon to understand that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Even today, it is your heart as much as your mind that will determine if you will do what is right or do what is wrong, whether you will follow God or you will live your own life or whether you will follow yourself and live for you. You know, his advice to Solomon is simple. He simply says, seek God and serve God. I want to ask you as a parent, if you could pull your children aside and give them one piece of advice regarding this life that they're living, can you think of any better way to lead them than to advise them to seek God and serve God with all of their hearts, all of their life? Can I say a word to you parents and your grandparents? Don't you think it's a good idea to be more concerned about the influence you have on others than the inheritance that you plan on leaving to others? And David has certainly done everything he could to set Solomon up for success in every way. He is leaving Solomon, a nation that is unified under one flag, a capital city called Jerusalem that is the envy of the world, a military force that is respected by all their enemies and the boundaries of Israel have gone from 6,000 square miles to 60,000 square miles. And of course, the economy is humming. And many of the songs that David had written for worship and praise were being sung by the people all over the land. He has clearly left behind a people that loved and respected the king. Yet David knew that none of that mattered. He knew that it could be lost. And by the way, it eventually was. All the things of value that we give to people will not matter if we do not lead them to live the values that God wants us all to have. You know, the most important investment you will pass on to others is not these things of value, but the values that will enable them to handle those things. And so, David's primary concern was not to lead Solomon to be powerful but to be pure, not to be great but to be godly, not to be rich but to be righteous, not to be famous but to be faithful, not to be haughty but to be holy, not to see how high he could get above others but to see how low he could get before his God. Dwight L. Moody famously said, if you want to know what kind of parent you were, don't look at your children look at your grandchildren the influence that you have on others while you are alive can be passed from generation to generation long after you're gone one person that you lead to know god one person that you lead to trust Christ, one person that that you can lead to the one relationship that can ensure their eternal destiny, that can secure forgiveness of all of their sins and can cause them to live life and have it more abundantly and then in turn can lead others to do the same. How do we lead others? And where do we lead others? Is the first building block in leaving the kind of legacy that we all want to leave. Second, in your outline, consider that our legacy is determined by what we leave in others. And once again, David shows us that he is a man after God's own heart. Because even knowing that the end is coming close, he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about others. And David's attention was on his son, his successor, who's going to be the next king. You know, one of the marks of a great leader is that he sets his successor up to be more successful than he was. And David is determined to do that. He first tried to lead Solomon into the kind of person he ought to be and then turns his attention to the people that Solomon is going to lead. And so he wants Solomon to step up and be the godly leader that he needs to be, and he wants the people of Israel to step up and be the godly followers that they ought to be. David had a dream to build the temple for God, but it was not to be. He wasn't going to build the temple, but David had such a heart for God, and a heart was what was for what was best for others, <clears throat> that he makes an amazing decision he says i may not be able to build the temple i won't oversee the construction of it but i'll make sure that it's paid for before it is built so he does two things <clears throat> first of all god has given him a detailed plans for every building and every room in that temple Instead of keeping it to himself, he shares those plans with Solomon and he gives him the blueprints. David doesn't worry about any details concerning this temple. For him, the question is, how is it going to be paid for? And David is about to set one of the greatest examples for others ever. David is not primarily interested in leaving God's temple for his people he is more interested in leaving a love for God and his temple in his people. First Chronicles 29, 1-5 states, <clears throat> Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great, because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlays of the walls of the building, for the gold work and the silver work and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Listen to the last statement here. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? David begins by making sure that people understand that the temple is not a monument to him. It is not being built even for them. It is for God. And then he proceeds to give the longest single offering anyone has ever given to any project, probably in history, and he's doing it for one reason. Not to get a tax break, not to get a building named after him, not to become a hero, but because of his devotion to the temple of his God. That is what David wanted to leave in his people, not a building, but a blessing, not a place, but a passion. David wanted to leave his people a love for God. And here's why. If you love God, you will love his church and his work. If you love his church, you will give to his church and his work. And David led the way. He put his money where his mouth is. Just as an aside, someone has calculated that in modern day dollars, the value of David's gift just in silver was $450 million. In gold, he gave $17 billion. He was not raising a building. He's leaving a legacy. With that, David starts an avalanche of giving, which resulted in the single largest financial offering probably ever given in one day. 1 Chronicles 29, 6-9 to nine states, Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly, they gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Geshoite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Listen, what would have become known all over the world as Solomon's temple was paid for in one day. And when people saw David and the leaders had done, they they wanted to do as much, if not more. And here's the key. They gave wholeheartedly. They literally gave with their whole hearts. You see, for David... It always comes back to the heart. When you have a heart for others, you are a person after God's own heart, but understand that it begins with a heart that loves God, a heart that is devoted to God, a heart that is sold out to God. And then David prays the last prayer that he will ever pray. I think it was the greatest prayer he ever prayed. I think it's one of the greatest prayers that has ever been prayed. David has come full circle and put everything in perspective with this prayer. Listen to it. 1 Chronicles 29 10 and 11. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. David is reminding his people that he may be the king of the most powerful nation in the world at that time. But he wants them to know the kingdom belongs not to the king, nor does it belong to the people under the king, but it belongs to the king of kings. He wants them to remember where the real throne is, and he wants them to remember who the real king is sitting on that throne. And then he continues, First Chronicle 29, 12 and 13. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. And now our God will give you thanks and praise your glorious name. David wants to leave in his people. The realization that not only is God everything, but God owns everything. God is the single owner and sole proprietor of everything in this universe. Where you think of everything you have and everything you own right now, your clothes, your house, your car, computer, stocks, bonds, more real estate, children, or investments. Wrap it all up. Belongs to God. Do you understand what this great king is doing? If you think this is all about showing his ability as a fundraiser, you, you have missed it. If you think this is all about him building a building, you have missed it. If you think this is all about David trying to make things easy for his son Solomon, you have missed it. Remember, an inheritance is when you leave something for others, but a legacy is when you leave something in others. And David is wanting to leave in his people a love for God that is so strong, so powerful, and so supreme that they will always do two things with joy and happiness. First, live for God's glory. And secondly, give to God's work. At the end of the day, your legacy will be determined by where you lead others by, and by what you leave in others. Well, the time has come for this magnificent king to shed his crown, abdicate the throne, and leave the scene. What a way to go. 1 Chronicles 29, 28. He died at a good old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor. His son Solomon succeeded him as king. Not a bad epitaph for a life well lived by a man after God's own heart. You know, we're not guaranteed to die at a good old age. We may not enjoy long life or wealth, but there's one thing in that epitaph we can all enjoy, and that is honor. The greatest honor of your life is the legacy you leave after your life. And you can leave a legacy that will far outlast you and long outlive you if you will live, and while you live, you have a heart for God. And before you die, you lead others to have a heart for God, and you leave in others a love for God. You know, the only way that can happen is to have a heart for Jesus. The only way to God's heart is through his son, Jesus. You know, normally when someone dies, their impact on the world immediately fades. I was reading about the passing of one of the greatest inventors, Steve Jobs, founder of Apple. And I remember years ago that our world had Bob Hope, Johnny Cash, Steve Jobs, and now we have no jobs, no cash, and no hope. <laughs> their impact faded. You know, the impact that Jesus has had in, on this world doesn't grow less the further we get away from his death. It grows greater because today he has more followers in more places around the world than ever in history. So my question to you is this. What legacy will you leave? Amen. Our well, Service is over, and as we leave this place, we go home, hopefully, to... Spend the coming week in prayer, reflection and meditation on the impacts our lives will have. I do this in closing every time. I always say, seek the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one true God. And as you draw closer to our God, you will draw closer to the answers. Amen? And one last thing, just to give encouragement, uh, Amanda Wei, Dr. Wei's and Bailey Annie's daughter, came up to me two, maybe three weeks ago and said, Can you do me a favor? I said, Sure, I guess. Would you prepare and deliver a sermon on lukewarmness? Lukewarmness? Why do you want lukewarmness? Because I noticed, she said, Not me, but I noticed my friends. Other Christians are losing their enthusiasm, like for church. I said, I'll give it some thought. You know, we normally don't deliver sermons on request. <laughs> and this, is going, this isn't going to start a trend. But I, I said to her this morning, I said, Well, the next time I preach in two weeks, I'm going to deliver your sermon on lukewarmness with the lukewarm Christians revealed in Revelation. And uh, I love you. (laughs) So be ready for that, I trust. Not that easy. In any event, go home. We'll see you next week. Amen?